0: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: A rumor from the hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And we do have a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. One of our good friends is going to be joining us as we've got Rena Wong. She does a great job over there at Twins Daily, and you're able to catch her on Twitter at Rena Benita, one of the best Twitter handles that we're going to get on the show this season. She is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about the AL Central, we're going to be talking about the Minnesota Twins, and how I feel Byron Buxton one of the most impactful players in the league, and she's going to give us some pretty hard numbers as to how good the Twins are with them and how not so great they are without him as well. So we're going to have some fun with that. Then in the final segment, we're going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one or two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters EM. Yeah. I mean, they does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. And the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today other than... Is Dallas Keuchel the biggest fade that we've seen in quite a long time? So let's dive into that, try to find some trends, and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better.
2: The games from yesterday is
0: Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap.
3: Make it eight straight losses for the Chicago White Sox as the Southsiders fall to the Kansas City Royals. DK Nation pick was the over, and the White Sox did not help with that. They scored zero runs, 6-0 the finalized want to be having Dallas, Keiko give the start, and he did not wind up doing so well. Only winds up giving up two runs, and both of them were unearned, but he walked five in four innings, and then he turned it over to the bullpen, Rinaldo Lopez gives up three runs in one and a third innings, Kyle Crick, he gives up a run in two thirds of an inning, and then Matt Foster, two scoreless innings, and then you have Mr. Anderson Severino give you a scoreless inning, but... For the White Sox, they wind up leaving eight men on base Daniel Lynch goes six scoreless. Brady Singer is able to close out the final two, and Taylor Clark was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. So, White Sox not looking so great right now. The Miami Marlins are looking halfway decent. They wind up being able to get the job done against Washington Nationals by a count of five to two. And, hey, for the Fishies, they've now won three straight games and four out of their last five as... Being able to put back the ball on this one, Joey Wendell winds up being able to get a three-run bomb off of Josiah Gray, his first home run of the season for Gray. Well, it was a lot of shades of not-so-great. 40 shades to be exact because that's his jersey number, but gives up four runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Did wind up punching out ten, and then from there, you do have Victor Arano, who ends up giving you a scoreless inning. Andres Machado gives up an unrun run in an inning as Kiba Ruiz wound up giving you an error. And then Irasimo Ramirez winds up giving you a scoreless inning with us, both giving you out on the bullpen, but for the Washington Nationals, they go four of nine with men in scoring position, and they score two runs, which that's really hard to do, as Sandy Alcantara Good start in this one. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. Dodged some bullets. Gave up six hits, three walks along the way. But Cole Solzer, Anthony Bender were able to give you a scoreless inning. And Richard Blyer, able to give you an ending out of the bullpen while giving up a run. So they were able to get it done there. Did wind up seeing some higher scoring games in baseball, especially in the early going on Tuesday, including the Milwaukee Brewers putting up a 12-spot. 12-8, they take down the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates as William Adamas goes deep not once but twice in his third and fourth home runs of the season. Mitch Thunder Keller gives up one of them, giving up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. And then Aaron Fletcher give up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Ethan Embry gave up the second home run to Adamas. He gave up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then you wind up having two and two-thirds innings for Bull Solzer. And he wound up being the victor of 2 unearned under-runs as you wind up having a trio of errors out there for the Pirates. And the only man that didn't give up a run... That would be one Sam Howard who came in for one out, so that was set. And for the Pirates, they go two of fourteen with men in scoring position, and they're unable to get a home run. Though they did wind up being able to create some solid contact. Brandon Woodruff gives up four runs of four innings, and then Prince Suter gives you two scoreless innings. Mr. Yerenya tried to not Yerenya all over this game as Jose Yerenya gives up three runs over the course of two and a third innings, only one of which was earned. Quote and they're in this game as well, Hobie Miller. He winds up giving you one out of the bullpen, giving up a run, then Josh Hader comes in. He's able to mop things up at the end. So that was a big one. The Slam Diego Padres, they got to Revier to San Martin as they wind up getting a 9 to 6 win for San Martin. He winds up going three innings, so he gets nine outs, and he gave up nine runs, including two bombs. Going deep for the Padres, Eric Osmer, first home run of the season. Awesome Kim, second home run of the season. To the credit of the Reds, six scoreless innings on the bullpen. Problem is San Martin just completely lit this game on fire. Under Strickland, Alexis Diaz give you a scoreless inning. Buck Farmer, Jeff Hoffman. They both went two scoreless innings, and Nick Senzel was able to get his first home run of the season. Comes off of a little bit of a highly touted gentleman at Robert Suarez, who has not had a great season thus far, giving up that one run in an inning. And Joe Musgrove gives up five runs in six innings, only two of which were earned. There was a catcher's interference. By Austin Supernol and then Awesome Kim wound up having an error out there in the field as well. So that did not help his cause. He did wind up having Lewis Garcia along with Stephen Wilson give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. So those guys wound up helping out. The Seattle Mariners, they jumped all over the Tampa Bay Rays getting up a 7 spot in the 4th inning. And that powers them to victory 8-4 to of the final. The Tampa Bay Rays, one guy that's really not come to the forefront for this team. That would be Mr. Josh Fleming. Although all 7 of his runs were unearned. Wander Franco winds up having an error. G-Man Choi winds up having an error. And then you wind up having Rene Pinto wind up giving you an error as well. So, he was really hurt by the fielding in this one. Matt Weisler wanted coming in as the opener. He winds up giving you two scoreless settings. And then you wind up having Phoenix Sanders give up a run in two innings. From there, John Adam, along Brooks, Rayleigh, Avi There are going to be a scoreless setting. So, the Rays give up eight runs, only one of which was earned. And with the Seattle Mariners, Logan Gilbert another good start. He you now has a 0.40 40 ERA, 5-2-3 and scoring scoreless, did wind up blocking 3, but got out of it. Matt Cook, uh, he's not a cooking in this one. He winds up giving you Four outs of the bullpen, giving up four runs, including two home runs. Mr. Pinto wind up getting his first home run of the season, and Wanda Flanco was able to get his fourth. And then you do wind up having Eric Swanson, a couple with Andres Munoz, both give you a scoreless inning. So Seattle Mariners all of a sudden, by the way, this team is 8-2 in their last ten games, and 11-6 overall out there in the eastern part of the American League. You do wind up seeing the Toronto Blue Jays be able to get it done. 6-5, they take down the Boston Red Sox as they entered in the ninth inning. Down by a count of 5-2, to two. so if you wind up having the under and or the Boston Red Sox, boy oh boy, this was not great, as you wind up having Nick Pavetta give up two runs over the course of four or two-thirds innings, and then up until Jake Diekman came in, things wound up going well for the bullpen. Also Davis, Ryan Brazier, they combined for two scoreless innings out of Mota, along with what you were able to get out of Matt Barnes, they wind up combining for a full inning, Barnes winds up giving up the under and run. In the 10th inning, Matt Saram was able to give you an out of the bullpen as well, but Jake Diekman gives up three runs, and he got two outs, including a George Springer home run in the 9th inning. It's of the season and for the Blue Jays. Kevin Gosman was terrific in this one. 100 run over the course of six innings, and we saw a lot of errors out there in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. A lot of people were wondering why we wound up getting some higher scoring games. Was it due to the balls being reduced? And didn't see a lot of homers. We did wind up seeing some bad pitching, and we saw some... Even worse fielding on this day. Trevor Richards, he winds giving me a scoreless saying, and then Yimi Garcia gives up four runs in a third of an inning. And then from there, David Phelps was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Ryan Barucci, Jordan Romano, they are both able to give you a scoreless ninth and 10th inning as the Red Sox and up going 3 of 12 with men in scoring position. So as well, that one winds up getting to the window. The Atlanta Braves, they wind up holding the Cubs very silent on this. 1-3-1. to They are able to get it done as Marcus Stroman. Simon Chicago's not been great thus far. Not a bad start here. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned, including Omer, in six innings. It's going deep for the Atlanta Braves. First home run of the season for one, Travis Demerite, but he did his part. Problem was, Max Freed was pretty unhitable. He did wind up giving up a solo run over the course of six innings, but that's all that he surrendered as Ian App. Hap, for a second home run season, but for the Braves, Will Smith, Tyler Mads, Kenley Jansen all were able to give you scoreless innings, and for the Cubs, he did wind up having a pair of scoreless innings out of Michael Rucker along with Ethan Roberts. So, that was another under that wound up being able to get him for you. We're going to be talking to Rena in the second segment a little bit more about the series, but the Minnesota Twins wind up being able to get it done by a count of five to four as You wind up having a botch rundown to wind up ending the game. So that was absolutely terrific. Miguel Sano winds up being able to get a single. And then you wind up having just some sort of a calamity that wound up happening with the Detroit Tigers, which that's par for the course for the Tigres. Avi Baez was back in the fold and he had himself a game. He winds up going deep in the eighth inning off of Emilio Pagan, as that one was Pagan for a second home run season. And he had all four RBI. For the Detroit Tigers, as Eduardo Rodriguez winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings, including a bomb to Max Kepler, Second home run season. From there, you wind up having Alex Lang, Michael Fulmer do their job. Gregory Soto comes in, and he gives up those 200 runs because the Tigers, apparently they forgot how to play baseball in, like, Little League because they forgot how to do a rundown, and that wound up costing them the game. As Chris Paddock, very good start here for the Minnesota Twins. One run given up in five and two-thirds innings. Ty Duffy winds up giving you an ending out of the bullpen scoreless. Caleb Theobar and Emilio Pagan, they weren't so great. Pagan gives up the home run to Javi Baez in two-thirds of an inning. Caleb Theobar, two runs given up in two-thirds of an inning, but Griffin Jacks gets all jacks up. He was able to lend a scoreless inning. That gets the team the win. The San Francisco Giants lay the lumber to the Oakland A's, 8-2 the final. As for the Oakland A's, you did wind up having in this one the team go 1-7 of seven with Ben in scoring position, and Tolton Jeffries enters with a sub-2 ERA. Did not wind up leaving with that. He gives up five runs including a homer over the course of four innings as it was Mr. Wilmer Flores who took him deep. Second homer on season off Slater later. We'll go deep a little bit later off of the gentleman with the last name, LeMoyne, Jacob LeMoyne, for his second home run of the season, A.J. Puck, was able to give you two scoreless settings. Adam Clarek won in a third inning scoreless, and hey, Sheldon Noisy was able to give you a pair of scoreless innings, but one Carlos Rodon continues to be very solid here for San Francisco. One run given up over the course of six innings. Dominique Leone does wind up giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning, but Jordan Garcia gives you an out of the bullpen. Yurimer Marte, along with Kervin Kestrel, were able to come in and give you a scoreless inning, and the Giants they are now 13-5 and this season. And a team that surprisingly has been able to put together a couple wins here recently, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They wind up getting four hits, and they get five runs off of it. Five to three in the final. As the Dodgers, they score all three runs in the first inning. Just absolutely ridiculous what wound up happening towards the end of the game. Tony Gonsolin... Four innings pitch. He does wind up giving up three runs, two of which were earned. It was hurt by Gavin Lux Air. And then you do wind up having Justin Brule, Evan Phillips, Alex Visilla. I'll give you a scoreless inning, but per starter, Gradwell winds up giving up a bomb in this one. Going deep for the Arizona Diamondbacks, David Peralta, his second home run season, as Zach Davies gets lit up for those three runs in the first inning, goes four innings in total, giving up those three, but then J.B. Wendelken, Joe manette Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson, and Kyle Nelson, they all wind up giving you a scoreless sending out of the bullpen, and the L.A. Dodgers grounded into five-double plays, so... The Dodgers did not wind up having Lady Luck on their side as a minus-220 favorite, as they were the biggest favorite to wind up following the Angels... They were a pretty hefty favorite on Tuesday, but they were able to get it done 4-1 to against a Guardians team that the offense is currently not helping them out right now. You did have Jose Ramirez get his 21st RBI of the season, and that's about it. Tristan McKenzie, four runs surrendered over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Mike Drought. He's clearly back in full for his fifth home run the season, and Patrick Sandoval don't look at the record they wound up having last season, but this guy is actually relatively rock solid. Won 3-6 and six with a 3.62 ERA last season. Comes in 7 scoreless innings, including 9 punch-outs in this one. Aaron Lupus is able to give you a scoreless inning. Jimmy Ergo does wind up giving up a run in the ninth, but Rossio is able to close the door gets a pair of punch-outs to be able to close things out. And for the Cleveland Guardians, bullpen continues to be relatively solid. Anthony Goose along with Aniel De Los Santos, were able to combine for 2 and a third inning scoreless. The Houston Astros. They hit the road and they take down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of five to one as Jake Odorizzi is best start perhaps as a Houston Astro. He winds up giving up one solo home run over the course of six innings, taking him deep. Adolis Garcia is third home run in season. From there, everyone does their part. As Rafael Montero, along with Blake Taylor, they're able to combine for two scoreless innings. Hector Neres, he's able to give you a scoreless inning as well. And Kyle Tucker, three RBI in this one, including a bomb off of Taylor Hearn, third home run season. And Taylor Hearn, now rocking that 747 ERA, giving up four runs over the course of five innings. And this man's whip is north of two. That is not great. I always say that if your whip would be a good bench press number for a set of 10, you're not doing well. I wish I could do over 200 pounds for a set of ten. so... There's that Dennis Santana squirrel signing out of the bullpen. Brock Burke was able to give you two squirrels and Albert Tapadeu. Why well, is giving up three walks? but only gives up one run in the process in his ending of work. You did wind up seeing a little bit earlier on in the night. A big giant number put up by the Philadelphia Phillies. 10-3. They wind up taking down the Colorado Rockies as for the Rockies. They were rocking and rolling with Charlie Blackman being able to give them a pair of home runs. Both were solo shots. His third and fourth of the season as he takes Zach Eflin deep as Eflin. Not a bad start here. Solo home run surrendered there. Only gives up two hits. One run in total over the course of six innings. Nick Nelson gives you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen. And then the other home run came off of Andrew Bellotti. Bellotti winds up giving up that solo run in his inning of work. And then you wind up having a run given up by Damon Jones in the ninth inning as well, but by then it was a little bit too late as Odubo Herrera takes just seen deep for his first home run of the season. As Chassin, well, he came into a bad situation and he made it worse, giving up two runs over the course of three innings after one, Odoman Marquez goes three and two-thirds innings. Gives up seven runs, four of which were earned. Was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field, which I felt like that was really a theme of Tuesday. From there, Justin Lawrence one and a third inning scoreless Lucas Gilbreth. He was able to give you a scoreless inning as well, but nice big winner for the Philadelphia Phillies after they had lost seven out of their last ten entering the series, saved down one-two straight and The New York Yankees' offense seems to be clicking. It combined 22 runs in their last two games and... They wind up pounding the poopy multiple Orioles, 12-8 as the Orioles, by the way, now have scored four-plus runs at each other their last five games and entered in the night with six home runs, and they left with eight as Anthony Santander, along with Austin the Say's kid, both get their second home run the season. Frazee winds getting his off of Jonathan the Wise goes, really been torched by the Orioles this season. He winds up giving up that home run while getting just one out of the bullpen. Her oldest Chapman was able to lend a scoreless inning. did wind up walking a pair, so that's a little bit of an issue And Lucas Luque out of the bullpen. Gives up three runs and two-thirds of an inning, but Clay Holmes, a scoreless inning, Luis Severino, just wind up giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including that home run to Anthony Santander. But how about Anthony Rizzo? He's now your league leader with regards to home runs as he goes deep off of Jordan Lyles twice, for his 6th and 7th home runs of the season. And then Mr. Wells winds up getting taken deep for his 8th home run of the season as Alexander Wells comes in in long relief, giving up 2 runs in 1 and 2 thirds innings as he would also allow a deep bomb in this one to Mr. Aaron Judge, 4th home run of the season. And ding dong, the witch is dead. Joey Gallo gets his first home run of the season. That comes off of Jordan Lyles, who just got shelled. Gives up three bombs, six runs in total over the course of four and two-thirds innings. You would then have Paul Fry give you one out of the bullpen while giving up two runs. And Brian Baker gives up two runs while going one and a third innings. And the Baltimore Orioles wind up losing this game by four runs, despite going four of six with men in scoring position. So, that was honestly too terrific for them. And, you know, it's not been too terrific if you've been betting overs all season long. Though, as you can tell towards what I was giving out with regards to that recap, we have been seeing a few more overs here in recent days, so that is a little bit encouraging, but still, if you're taking a look at the MLB season as a whole, we have seen 143 unders and 97 overs, that is 59.6% to the under, end. favorites have been doing really well, 155 and 101 straight up, that is 60.5%, But if you're looking at favorites on the run line, among the favorites that have won, 37 have won by approximately one run. So on the run line, they are 118 and 139. And if you're taking a look at what we wound up getting in baseball on Tuesday, favorites wound up just absolutely raking they wound up going 12 and 3, so that was very, very massive, and if you're taking a look at those results as well, you wound up seeing 8 overs and 7 unders, so you finally wound up seeing a day break a little bit more towards the over. Now, let's take a look at what we're getting out there in the American League Central. Let's take a look at the series between the Tigers and the Twins, and let's take a look at how big of an impact Byron Buxton is making for the Minnesota Twins. For that, we bring in Rena Wong. does a great job over there at Twins Daily. She's going to be joining to be next to break down that and so much more right here on the baseball bending show with myself greg peterson now part of the decent family podcast
6: If you dare.
2: If you dare.
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
7: work
0: breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson
3: we're back here in lovely las vegas for the baseball betting show with myself greg peterson now part of the Beeson family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests as rena wong is doing absolutely terrific work over there at twinsdaily.com she does a great job taking a look at everything day in and day out, what we are all seeing from the Minnesota Twins. Does a great job of just taking a look at the American League East as well, and I do think that it is going to be a very fascinating race to see what we all wind up getting in that division, as many people thought that the White Sox were the favorite coming into the year, but they've been struggling a little bit, and a lot of teams out there have not so much like the Minnesota Twins, and that's why we wind up going out to the great state of Minnesota today. And to be able to find Rena on Twitter, you're able to find her at Rena Benina. That is spelled R-E-N-A and then B-A-N-E-N-A all together. And Rena, great to have you aboard. Thank you.
8: Thank you. And thanks for having me. And thank you for spelling that correctly. You (laughs) kind of have to think for a minute.
3: It's a little bit of a tongue twister, so I wanted to make sure we got it all right, but we were able to get it in, so I'm very happy about that, and I'm sure that you're happy about how the Twins have looked this season because I take a look at this team, and I think that having Byron Buxton now out there on the field and back being healthy one of the biggest things for the team. We wound up seeing it on Sunday, wound up having those two home runs including just an absolute tank shot off of Liam Hendricks to be able to win the game, and when I take a look at the Twins, I really think that this team is going to swing or sink or swim via Byron Buxton because we all hear about how Mike Trout is so impactful for the Angels. And I don't know if I have necessarily put him on that level, but I would say in terms of players and what they mean to their respective teams, Byron Buxton has to be in the top five in the MLB. I'm not sure if you'd agree with that or not, but I really think that he's the lifeblood of this squad.
8: Oh, yes, absolutely. There was a tweet thrown out by Jeff Passan a couple of days ago about How when Byron Buxton is playing and actually on the team, the Twins are on a 101-win pace, whereas when he doesn't play, they're on a 75-win pace. I mean, just that stat in of itself speaks for so much outside of, you know, some of the more obvious surface-level stats like OPS, home runs, etc.
3: Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing to take a look at this guy. He's got great wheels. He's got great power. Plays the field well. So that has really been big for the Minnesota Twins because... With the Minnesota Twins, I feel like it's fair to say the biggest question mark coming into the year has been the pitching. And we've seen one guy in Dylan Bundy who I used to joke, don't call him Al Bundy because, well, sometimes he didn't look so great while he was with the LA Angels, but he's come out this year. He's looked really good for the Minnesota Twins. And I just take a look at the way that he pitches. And I do think that pitching out there in Minnesota, very much more a pitcher-friendly ballpark in which fly balls that would typically be out in other ballparks, They don't necessarily fly out in Minnesota. It's suiting him very well right now.
8: Oh, yes, absolutely. He's been the biggest surprise so far this season, including, in my opinion, the success of Byron Buxton. The rest of the pitching has held it pretty well so far. Even you know Chris Archer, veteran, there were a lot of question marks surrounding him, has held it fairly well. Joe Ryan, of course, star rookie on the team. But no one has shined quite like Dylan Bundy so far this season.
3: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting out of him moving forward. Someone who had a lot of promise coming into the league. And you do mention Joe Ryan. He's going to be the gentleman who's going to be on the mound for the Minnesota Twins on Wednesday as they wind up taking on the Tigers. And it's going to be Michael Pineda on the other side. And this is going to be very interesting because as you know very well, Michael Pineda Last year and the last few seasons was relatively solid for the Minnesota Twins, and you can almost say that Dylan Bundy was pretty much a replacement for Michael Pineda, a little bit of a veteran guy, someone who has been around the league a little bit. And I do think that Wednesday's matchup is going to be interesting because when it comes to pitchers and when they wind up facing off against their old teams, sometimes it works out very well for the hitters. Sometimes it's a case in which a pitcher they wind up having a lot of intel on those batters. So it makes it very easy for them to get out. So I do think that's going to be a very interesting chess match. And I'm not sure if it's Pineda or the twins that wind up having a little bit of an advantage with all that familiarity.
8: No, definitely. And like you mentioned, it seems like in these matches, it's either an epic, epic game of a pitcher's duel where, you know, essentially Pineda comes out, knows every single hitter so well that he can essentially get out every single batter. Or you get the other side where the twins heavily, heavily tee off off this will be interesting. And just on the fan side, the majority of fans were very upset about Dylan coming in as the replacement for Pineda. And, you know, in that very first matchup of the season, we'll see how this goes. This will be really fun for the fans.
3: Oh, absolutely. You take a look at Michael Pineda and first time out for the Detroit Tigers wanted giving up no runs over the course of five innings. So couldn't be much better in his debut for the Detroit Tigers. So We shall see how that one winds up going as Rena Wong is joining me on the podcast. Does a great job with Twins Daily. Does a great job being able to follow the Minnesota Twins and Tigers and Twins. They are both out there in the same division. And I just take a look at this American League Central. And I think that it's going to be a good fight all season long. A lot of people, they wanted to hand the division the Chicago White Sox coming into the year. But take a look at the Chicago White Sox, and I certainly do think that they should be the favorite in this division, but I think it's a more competitive division than a lot of people want to give it credit for, mainly because you don't necessarily have that clear square number two that everyone has a consensus on. I would argue that it's the Minnesota Twins who should be the number two team, but you take a look at pretty much everyone in the division that's trying to track down the White Sox, the Twins. The Detroit Tigers. Heck, the Kansas City Royals are a team that is playing some relatively solid baseball as well. And then you wind up being able to round it out with the Cleveland Guardians, who have some good pitching. And I just take a look at the entirety of the AL Central. And I don't see one team that's a slug that is just going to be completely out of it at the trade deadline. And I think that that's what makes this division just so unique.
8: Definitely. A lot of people talk about the AL East in terms of competitiveness, right? Because you've got so many big market teams, bigger names. But like you mentioned, you can't count a single team out. Who would have thought that the Guardians would have swept the White Sox in the second week of the season or the third week of the season? And it seems like everyone forgot about Shane Bieber's existence after he was out last season. So like you said, a lot of small market teams, smaller names, but plenty of excitement throughout the division.
3: I do think that it's going to be a really good year out there in the American League Central. I think that we're going to get a lot of good fights. And I take a look at the Detroit Tigers, a team that, after the All-Star break last season, they were able to go above five hundred. I do think that part of the rough start that they've gotten off to this season going into Tuesday, because we're recording this before we wound up knowing how that game wound up going final. They were 6-9, but Javi Baez being banged up, I think, has a little bit to do with it. He wound up actually returning for that game on Tuesday. Spencer Torkelson. Former number one overall pick. Got off to a little bit of a rough start. He seems to be reining it in as well. And I take a look at this division. I think that the Tigers are a team that as the season goes along with their youth, they're going to get a little bit better. They can't say Royals have a lot of young guys. And heck, out there in your neck of the woods, the Minnesota Twins, they've been utilizing quite a few young guys, even someone like a Kyle Garlick, much of the bullpen. Most of these guys, they're a little bit younger. And as they wind up getting seasoning, I do think that they're going to be tougher and tougher when it comes to those months after the all-star break.
8: Definitely. And I think now then, the Twins need to capitalize on the fact that the Bobby Witt Juniors, the Spencer Torkelsons, haven't quite found it. Because we saw a couple years ago with Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., even Shohei Otani in his first couple seasons, when they find their groove, they could be easily the next Byron Buxton on their team. So now is the time for the Twins to win these games while these players are still kind of cold and figuring it out in the big leagues.
3: No doubt about it. You've got a lot of young talent in this division, and I'm going to be very fascinating to see how winds up developing as the season goes along as, as Rena Wong is joining me right here on the podcast. And when I take a look at the Minnesota Twins a little bit deeper as well, we talked a lot about Byron Bucks and what he winds up meaning to this team. I do think that's something that Good wind up lifting a little bit of a weight off his shoulders. is the guys that follow him in the lineup being able to produce a little bit more. It's been a little bit of a rough year for Ray Polanco along with Carlos Correa. Correa, no doubt, one of the biggest signings in the offseason. Both of these guys entering into Tuesday's game. They were hitting a 200 or lower. Not a lot of power out of both of these guys. What do you think has been sort of the issues for a lot of these guys not named Byron Buxton? Because I took a look at the starting lineup that the Minnesota Twins wanted trotting out there on Tuesday. The only other guy other than Byron Buxton that was sitting above a 220 was Shearer Shella. So clearly things have been very much on his shoulders. And I do feel like if some of these other guys are able to step up, it's going to be just absolutely massive for the twins having a little bit more balance.
8: Yes, absolutely. Just looking at the numbers, Polanco and Correa are currently massively underperforming. And surprisingly, they are actually the strikeout leaders on the team, which has really been the big issue with both of these players. You know, we talk about Miguel Sano's struggles and we can spend hours talking about him, but both Polanco and Correa have actually struck out more than Miguel Sano all season and have actually walked around the same amount of times. So it really feels like Polanco and Correa need to find some sort of a contact with the ball. They don't need to be hitting home runs out of the park at every at-bat. We just need them to get a single or two, especially if they've got you know Urshela behind and then Buxton above them in the lineup, preferably on base. But speaking of Urshela, he's been one of the greatest surprises that has come out so far from the offseason. I know that he got a little bit lost in the mix in New York with that lineup, but he's really just shown and become a star in Minnesota and fans- Absolutely love him.
3: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what these guys wind up doing moving forward because Polanco and Correa, they are not going to continue hit at the, at the Mendoza line of a 200 moving forward. And for the Minnesota Twins, I don't think that they're going to be as banged up Moving forward as well now, I do feel like the loss of Jorge Alcala is currently on the 60-day injured list. That's actually bigger than a lot of people would think because I take a look at the Minnesota Twins. One thing that I've noticed with them is that the bullpen doesn't necessarily have the world's greatest depth, and they're out there in a division, which I feel like there's a lot of sneaky bullpens. Even the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, these are teams that they do a very solid job out there in the bullpen, and I take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and I do think that just being able to hold down the fork while some of this pitching... Like Kenta Maeda, he's going to be out for quite a while. He wound up having Tommy John surgery in the offseason. So if he winds up coming back at all, it's going to be very late. Sonny Gray, he's going to be returning, obviously, at some point this year. But he's still on the 10-day injury list as well while those guys are trying to recover, heck, Johan Romero, he's someone that just wound up going on the injured list as well. While these guys are on the fold, I think that it's very important for Minnesota to just wind up holding down the fort, finding a way to be able to get some splits in series, because I do feel like reinforcements are going to be on the way for this pitching staff. And once those do wind up coming, this is going to be a team that's going to be able to hit their stride. Yes,
8: absolutely. But it's not to say that we're not absolutely missing taylor rogers at this point just watching him absolutely rake in san diego it'd be really great to see a guy (laughs) like him back on the team especially with the regression of tyler duffy caleb fieldbar and some of the other veterans that we've come to depend
3: yeah it's been really interesting to take a look at this minnesota twins team because there have been quite a few injuries with regards to pitching and it's going to be really interesting to take a look at this series in general rena we wound up talking about it with the fact that we do have this tiger series that's going to be going down and then The Twins are going to be facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. So it's going to be a big week of Twins baseball. And I know you're going to be covering it over there at Twins Daily. I know that you do a couple different things out there as well. I know that you do a great job just being able to follow the game of baseball. So let we'll the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow you and your work on social media and other platforms.
8: Yes, absolutely. You can find my personal Twitter at Rena Benina. Um, and also you can check out all of my work at the Twins Daily. I put out work about once you know, every week or two, but you can always search my name in the search bar and you'll see all of my previous work. And as of late, I also help run the Twins Daily Instagram and Twitter page as well. And so you can check out Twins Daily at, of course, Twins Daily on both platforms.
3: And is doing an absolutely terrific job with a team that's going to be very intriguing this year with the expanded playoff. I think that the race that we're going to be seeing for number one and number two out there in the American League Central is going to be very hotly contested. The Twins are certainly going to be a part of it, and Rena is going to be following it every step of the way. It is always great to get her on the podcast. So a big thanks to Rena Wong for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all.
6: if you
2: dare.
7: Work.
0: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family podcast. Great to get Rena Wong on the podcast. She does a terrific job. Over there at TwinsDaily.com. She's holding it down. Out there in the great Midwest, taking a look at all things baseball, especially those Minnesota Twins who are going to be very fascinating this season. So, big thanks Rena for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we... Touch them all. If a game
2: is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them
3: all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at d one and... We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games, and then we got one interleague game between the A's and the Giants that is going to be at the bottom. So let's start with that first National League game of 9:51, 9:52. The New York Mets are on the road facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Stephen Metz is going to be going for the Cards, and one Carlos Carrasco is going to be on the bump for the Mets. Your total on this game is seven. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 110. And minus 105. If you're looking at the cards, you're going to be finding them as good as even money, as bad as minus 110 with the Mets finding them as good as minus 105, as bad as minus 120. So got a relative pick game here, and I did wind up saying the Cardinals had a minus 136. I do think that they've got a pretty solid advantage. Carlos Carrasco has come out, and he's looked very solid this year, but take a look back at last year. He wound up having a 6-ish ERA, so you do have concerns that maybe this is a small sample size for a guy that he's up there in years. He's 35 years old. You take a look at what he wound up doing on the road last season for the Mets, a six-seventeen ERA, five starts, wound up having opponents hit a three-zero-seven off of him, so that's not necessarily so great of them for Steven Matz. He's had one very, very bad start, giving up seven runs in three innings against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then from there, he's been able to go ten and two-thirds innings in his last two starts, giving up just one run in the process, so he is very much an up-and-down pitcher. That is just what you're going to get with Steven Matz. and for the Cardinals, they did wind up having that collapse in the bullpen on Monday, but past that, bullpen has been very good. Giovanni Gagas wound up having a bad night on Monday, but past that, he has been very good the last year, plus plus. For this team, you take a look at T.J. McFarland. He's been able to hold down the Fort Genesis Cabrera as someone that you're able to look to. If you really need some length, someone like an Aaron Brooks is able to give you multiple innings. They bring in Nick Wickren, who wound up having a little bit of a rough year in Cleveland last year. He's looked better this season, and for the Mets, they did wind up letting go of Jersic Familia, Aaron Loop, a few others from that bullpen last year. It's still not bad. Drew Smith, Jason Sharif, these guys are able to give you some good innings. Seth Lugo sat a little bit of an up-and-down year, but he seems to be finding it as well. And Both of these lineups are some of the better that so you're going to find out there in the National League for the New York Mets. Going into the game that we wound up seeing on Tuesday, you wound up having Francisco Lindor with four bombs hitting nearly a 300. Pete Alonso, Eduardo Escobar, they're doing a great job. Being able to reach base, Alonzo wound up leading the lake in home runs on the road last season. Jeff McNeil hitting above a 300. Brandon Nimmo has been able to get on base. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, Nolan Arenado going into Tuesday, five home runs hitting a 340. Paul Goldschmidt had a little bit of a tough go of it out of the gates. He's been able to find it a little bit more. Tommy Edmond is hitting nearly a 300. He's got a trail of home runs. So we've got a lot of matchers on both sides. I do think that this total set a little bit too low, especially with Mats versus Carrasco, a total of seven. That's just not adding up to me. I wound up saying this at 8.2. I recognize that ball isn't flying as much but we've went a little bit too far so I'm looking at the over and with the Cardinals set them at a minus 136 so we'll take the cards on the muddy line. 953, 954 on the betting board. Got the ears on the Diamondbacks and they're going to be playing OCLA LA Dodgers. One, uno, adios, going to be going for the Dodgers. And you got Zach Gallen on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is anywhere between a plus 160 and a plus 178 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 180 and minus 193 is your price. Totals eight over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Needed at least a plus 172 to take a shot here on the Diamondbacks, and we have gotten it. So I'm going to be willing to ride with Zach Gallen and company for Gallon Throughout his career, has always had a little bit of a walks issue, a little bit over three walks per 9 innings, but you do take a look at this guy, and he just deserves such a better record than when he's gotten got an pitch for his career with the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks as a result. A 10-8 record despite having a career 338 ERA. Someone that does a great job of being able to get swings and misses right around 10.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. Pretty solid at being able to keep the ball in the yard as well. Then you take a look at Julio Rias, and he wound up being the top wins getter in baseball last season, being able to accrue 20 wins, and wound up having 13 of those be on the road. And you take a look at the way that he performed last season, which includes a few starts at Coors Field, 271 ERA, and those 18 starts gave up just 10 home runs across 103 innings. Opponents hit a 219 off of him, so... Did a solid job there now. The Dodgers, they ain't no question wind up having a nice advantage out there in the bullpen when you've got Craig Kimbrell, that certainly helps you out. Bruce Arter Gradral is someone that I do like. They pick up Reyes Bonanta, who I've always been a little bit high on. Even Phil Bickford, who winds up coming over from the Milwaukee Brewers, he's been solid. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you do wind up picking up Mark Blanson, who's very old but still able to give you a couple solid innings. JB Wendell, Ken Joe, at Tipley, it's all like they're absolute burners out there, but these guys are able to supply as well. But I do think that Zach Allen going to be able to perform relatively well in the spot, and you do take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, and it's getting better. You've got Seth Beer, who's still hitting above a 3 r which is good because you wound up having two guys in the starting lineup yesterday for the Arizona Diamondbacks, hitting above a two eighteen going into it. It was he and then Paven Smith, though. You've had Dalton Marshall along Christian Walker. Both give you four home runs apiece. To put that into perspective, going into... Tuesday, the Baltimore Orioles had a combined six home runs as a team. So those two guys had two more home runs than the Orioles combined. And then you do take a look at the Dodgers and it is a death star of lineups. When it's all said and done, I fully expect both the Turners and Justin and Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Cody Bellinger, Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux, their entire starting lineup. They're probably all going to approach 20 home runs, aside from maybe like one outlier. Everyone's going to be hitting above 250, aside from maybe Max Muncy who's off to a little bit of a rough start to the season. But these guys are absolutely terrific. That said, I do think that Zach Allen's going to be able to go in there. I think that he's going to be able to hold down the fort in this one. And while the Dodgers should be a favorite, I think that we went up a little bit too high on this one. I do expect a little bit of negative regression in terms of the road starts. For Julio Rios, I set this at a plus 172, so I'm going to be willing to take that big plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do think that with Gallon's pitching, he's going to be able to keep it a little bit lower scoring. Set my total at a 7.9. So here at eight, looking under and looking D-backs. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates, Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Buckos and. You've got one, Aaron Ashby, who's going to be on the bump for the Brewers. The Brewers are finding themselves as favorites anywhere between minus 164 and minus 180. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Buckos, anywhere between plus 150 and plus 157 is your price. Finding the total at 7.5 over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders between even and minus 105. I do think that we've a little bit far here with the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Ashby just has not proven that he is able to be a... Solid starter in this league, so I did wind up saying the Pirates had a plus 153 on the price. I'm going to be willing to take them with that plus price. Now, you do take a look at what you're able to get out of Bryce Wilson, and it is a case which... This is someone that has a 635 ERA. He's not necessarily been too terrific this season. You go back to what he was able to do with the Atlanta Braves a few seasons though and he was able down the fort, was able to give this team some innings even in the postseason. Last year wound up mixing his time between the Pirates and the Atlanta Braves wound up having a 535 ERA overall. Big thing is the deep ball. He winds up giving up right around 1.7 home runs per 9 innings. Not much of a swing and miss guy. To so his credit is always had sub 3 walks per 9 innings and with Aaron Ashby, this is someone that just sometimes winds up losing a little little. little bit of track of the plate. Eight walks in 11 and a third innings so far this season now. He's able to get swings and misses, but he does wind up putting the ball over the plate quite a bit. His home and road splits are not necessarily great. All the runs that he's given up this season have been on the road. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, it is a lineup that is starting to come around a little bit more. Rowdy Tellez has been able to give you a trio of home runs. Well, Adamas has three home runs, so you gotta hope that he's able to pick up the batting average as well. With Adamas, Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, you're able to throw in there even Mr. Rowdy Tellez, Omar Nur Baez, Tyrone Taylor, all these guys hitting a 230 or lower. And for that matter, going into the game in Tuesday, you wind up having one guy for the Milwaukee Brewers who was hitting above a 230 in the starting lineup and that would be Andrew McCutcheon. So that is a little bit of an issue and that's why I just can't wind up playing this number with the Milwaukee Brewers. And then you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and Daniel Vogelback hitting right around 300. I disagree with him being a leadoff hitter considering he weighs like 500 pounds, but that said the guy's been able to get on base for you. Brian Ace, he's hitting a 340. Yoshi Satsugo has been a little bit rough for E. Ben Gamble, Josh Van Meter, some of these veterans, but Michael Chavis, whenever he's been out there, he's been able to supply a little bit of boom. You don't necessarily have a lot of home run power with regards to Pittsburgh Pirates, but you've got guys getting on base for the Pirates. All eight of their wins entering into Tuesday have been via the bullpen. You've had Ethan Bury not necessarily do a great job, but he's been able to hold down the fort, and then you wind up getting guys like a David Benar. You're able to throw in there. Chris Strand. These guys have been locked down. Relievers. Will Crow in a long relief role has been very good for the team. Obviously, the Milwaukee Brewers. You've got Josh Hader along. With Devin Williams are able to hold down the fort. Cousins, so you did wind up giving up a couple runs against San Francisco on Monday. He's rock solid along with Brad Boxberger, so I do think that things are going to be kept a little bit lower scoring, but in Aaron Ashby versus Bryce Wilson in the starting spot, a total of 7.5 is just too low here. I did wind up saying my total at 8.3. I think we've got a little bit too far with regards to some of these unders. I'm going to take a look at the over. I think we've went too far with the Milwaukee Brewers. Set the Pirates at a plus 153, seeing a lot of plus 155s or greater, so going to be taking a shot here on the Buckos and I'm I'm going to be looking over. 957, 958 on the banging board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes we are in the Cincinnati. They're playing us these San Diego Padres. Mackenzie Gore is going to be going for the pods and Gutierrez is going to be on the bump for the red legs, reds are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 145 and a plus 152 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the pods, it's anywhere between minus 158 and minus 178. And it's is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. I do want to say my total at 8. I am going to be taking a look at the under. A lot of this is just because. The Reds have not been able to put back the ball, and it's unfortunate because this is very much a bandbox box of a ballpark, but it's a red scene that they've been dealing with in injury to Jonathan India, which has put them behind the eight ball a little bit. And then you wind up going a little bit beyond that. Joey Votto has been off to a really bad start to begin the year. He's hitting right around a buck fifty. The entire outfield for this team has been very brutal. Drake Fraley, you're able to throw in their REC Day Sakino. Nick Senzel, all these guys, and you the Mendoza line of 200. Now, the good news is looks like there's a chance that India is going to be back at the fold, but it might take him a couple days to get back online. You're really relying upon someone like Colin Moran to be able to give you good at best. Tyler Stevenson has been dealing with some injuries as well. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres, and you do have Manny Machado hitting well above a 300 along with Eric Hosmer. Awesome Kim wound up getting his second home run of the year yesterday. He's not necessarily been the world's greatest hitter since coming over from the KBO, but seems to be starting to put it together after a rough start to the year. Jake Cronenworth He's been able to get on base. North of a 325 on base for him. and Profire has four home runs, but then you do take a look at the San Diego Padres bullpen. It's one of the best out there in the big leagues. Nobel Crisman is able to give you quite a few good innings. I do like what you've been able to get out of Taylor Rogers, who we were talking about with Arena. Craig Stammen is able to come in and hold down the Ford and for the Reds. It is a little bit of a rough bullpen. It's one of the worst out there in the big leagues. starting Moretta is someone that you're looking at for big innings under Strickland. It's just not what he once was. Art Warren, Tony Santian, these are young guys that they just have not been able to put it together to this point, though so I do take a look at Vladimir Gutierrez. Now, what you do want to note with Mr. Gutierrez is that his home and road splits last year, they were not necessarily so great as this is someone that was actually significantly better on the road. 380 road ERA, 494 ERA at home, giving up 13 home runs and 50 innings at home on the road, 7 bombs and 64 innings, so... A big giant split there. And then you do take a look at Mackenzie Gore. First few starts for him for his career. Very solid. combined 10 in the third innings in two starts having given up just two runs. So he has been rock solid, including five scoreless against the Cincinnati Reds in San Diego. I do think that this is a case in which Mackenzie Gore is going to be able to come in. He's going to be able to do a relatively locked down job now. I do think that Vladimir Gutierrez is putting it together a little bit more as well. I do think that with getting back Jonathan India, it's going to be able to help out this Reds team. Just a little bit, and I do think that with the Reds, are they a stinky team? Yes, if you look at the advanced out of legs, they've also gotten a little bit unlucky, so I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Reds. This is just a little bit too lofty to wind up laying for Mackenzie Gore in start number three of his career. I did wind up saying this at a plus 134, so I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Reds. Made my total eight, so here at the eight and a half, I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well as the Reds' money line, 959, 960 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies, going to be playing the Colorado Rockies. Rangers Juarez is going to be going for the Philz, and Ryan Filtner is going to be on the bump for the Rockies. See, he- Phillies are finding themselves as very sizable favorites here. Anywhere between minus 195 and minus 205. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rockies, you're going to be getting the in between plus 165 and plus 192 with 8.5 being your total. Under's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even a minus 110. And if you're looking at a Phillies run line, find that anywhere between minus 110 and even money. And I was willing to lay up to a minus 112 here with the Phillies. I set the money line at a minus 198. So on the money line is pretty much where I said it. I'm finding a little bit on the run line, and I do think that with this Phillies offense, despite the fact that they are the home team, so they might wind up having a couple fewer at-bats, that they are going to be able to cover this. So I'm willing to take the run line at more around a minus 105, even money-ish, especially with rangers Suarez and how good he's been as a starter. Now, I don't think that he's going to duplicate what he wound up doing last year. In 2021, as a starter, at a buck 69 ERA, overall ERA was a 136. At home, he put up a 151 ERA, Giving up two home runs and 65 innings with opponents hitting a buck 86 off of him. thus far this season, he's got a 430 ADRA, but also keep in mind, and one of his starts out was the infamous Alec Bohm three air game. So. I also wind up taking that into account. And then you take a look at Mr. Feltner, and I do think that it's going to be fascinating to see what you wind up getting out of him because you wind up getting a little bit of a taste of the MLB last season. He's a very good up-and-coming prospect, someone who is able to give you some relatively solid swing-and-miss stuff. This is not someone that's going to go out there and is going to be lighting the world on fire, but someone that did wind up seeing a pair of starts last season at the big league level. He did wind up seeing six and a third innings now at an 11-30-70. I do think that he's going to be able to come in and do a little bit better Job, but did wind up having some command issues out there at the AAA level and his A numbers. You wind up having a little bit of height in the RA, but he also wanted playing out there in some juice ball leagues as well. So you always want to be taking that into account. I just think that having to go up against the Philadelphia Phillies in your first start, that's not necessarily so great. Nikasianos, JT Ryumuto, Alec Bohm, along DD Gregorius. Going into what we were seeing on Tuesday, we're all hitting at 300 or better. So, these guys have really been mashing. Bryce Harper already has a home run in this series. He's starting to pick it up. You've got Gene Segura at the top of the lineup doing a nice job of the outreach base. Kyle Schwarber has not really been able to hit for average, but he's got four home runs this season. And if you take a look at this Colorado Rockies team, Randall Gritchick, someone who is a newcomer, so he doesn't have as much acclimation Of course. He's already been able to hit well above a 350. He's got a pair of home runs. Connor Joe has been making this team go. He had a leadoff home run on Monday. He's been hitting above a 3 for this bunch. Brandon Rodgers has been a hot mess for the team, but CJ Crone, his home and road splits are a little bit less demonstrative than they've been last season. And for the Colorado Rockies, been a relatively solid bullpen. It's not a great bullpen, but at the same time, Carlos Aceves, Tyler Kinley, these guys are able to give you some halfway decent innings, but I do think that Feltner is just going to be completely outgunned by one of the more underrated pitchers out there in the big leagues in Rangers for us and for the Phillies, they have had one of the worst bullpenning areas in the big leagues, but you pick up right hand, you pick up Juricic Familia, Corey Knable's the guy that's able to close things out, and I do think that these guys are going to be able to do a pretty rock-solid job moving forward, so I do mind saying the Phillies on the money line at a minus 198, but I would rather lay the run line, be able to reduce the juice. Semi-total at 8.6. I do think the Mr. Feldner can have a little bit of a rude awakening in this one, especially his first go-around in the MLB. Not necessarily going so going so great as well. So looking at the over, and I'm looking at a Phillies run line. 961, 962 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins at throw to face off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fettywop is going to be going for the Nats and... Pablo Lopez is going to be on the bump for Miami. The Miami Marlins find themselves anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140 as germs of favorites. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Nationals, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 121 is your price. 7 to seven half is your total. The 7 has over juice of minus 120 and the under is even. On the 7.5, under is minus 125 and the over is plus 105. And when it comes to this total, I did wind up setting it at an 8.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the over with the Washington Nationals ballpark. It's not necessarily... Overly pitcher friendly, it's not necessarily overly hitter friendly. It's about as neutral as you're gonna get out there in the big leagues. And you take a look at Mr. Lopez, he has been a lights out for the team. Three starts, and he's given up a one run in 17 and a third inning. So two of those starts didn't mind coming at home, but this guy has been absolutely magnificent. You do go back to what he wanted doing during the 2021 campaign. 434 road ERA compared to a 234 home ERA, so that is something that does have me a little bit on red alert, and you do take a look at this Washington national team, and I do think that they're going to be able to bust out, I do think that they do have some matchers on their team. Nelson Cruz hitting below the mid line of 200, that is not going to continue on. Soto's been off to a little bit of a rough year. He and Cesar Hernandez, both hitting right around 240-ish, but with Soto over a 400 on base, he's been able to supply three or four home runs thus far this season. Same for Josh Bell, and Bell, he's been able to get on base. He and Yadier Hernandez, both hitting above a 3 Iron Bell on base percentage more around a 400. Mikael Franco, this will give you a little bit as well. Bottom lineup. It's been a little bit tough for the Washington Nationals, and the same does go for the Miami Marlins. Guys like Orde Solaire, Jacob Sellings, they do need to pick it up. Aces Aguiar, he's starting to come alive a little bit more, actually. In the month of August, last season was towards the top of the league in terms of RBI, Garrett Cooper coming back with his right around 400 on base along Joey Wendell having that same on base. These guys have been solid. Jazz Chislam, Jesus Sanchez. They had a combined seven home runs going into what you wound up seeing on Tuesday. Both of those guys hitting above a 3-iron has been rock solid. And then when it comes to Washington Nationals, there's just no trusting in this bullpen. You've got out there Sam Clay. Steve Sheck is really, really old. Kyle Finnegan has been unable to get the job done. Tanner Rainey at an ERA north of 9 last season for the Miami Marlins. It is a bullpen in which home and road splits, they've got some of the most monster ones in the league, but you did wind up picking up Tanner Scott, Cole Sulzer from the Baltimore Orioles. Really, the only two guys from the Orioles last season that you could trust in the Anthony's Anthony Bender. Anthony Bender. They're not great. They're not terrible. I do think that this is a Marlin team that even though the bats have been a little bit cold, they are going to be able to get to Mr. Fetty Wap, though. 675 ERA. In three starts, this is a man that has given up 11 runs, 10 of which were earned in 13 and a third innings with a pair of bombs, and he's always had a little bit of a walks issue. You do take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021, and his walks per nine rate was north of three. Home runs per nine innings was more around 1.8-ish, so I do think that the Miami Marlins are going to be able to put some hard contact on this one. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 146 here with Miami, and also caution yourself. This is a line that opened up with Miami being minus 115. Miami has been seeing a lot of steam this year, so if you like them, you probably want to take it earlier than later, so I want to already play laying it with the Miami Marlins. I so advise player, right around minus 130 to minus 140, and when it comes to this total, set mine a little bit north of 8 at an 8.2, so looking over and looking fishies. 963, 964 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Chicago Cubs. In the road, faceoff gets the Atlanta Braves. One Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos, and Mark Light. Leip- is going to be going for the Cubs. The Cubs are finding themselves as sizable underdogs. Anywhere between plus 175 and plus 184 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Bravos, anywhere between minus $2 and minus 210, 8.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs is anywhere between even and minus 110. I do want up saying my total at an 8.9, and it's not because of Charlie Morton, because I said Morton as a minus 234 favorite on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, of the Atlanta Braves. You're going to be finding this anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I saw mine closer to a minus 130, so I am very willing to take the run line here of the Atlanta Braves, and the big reason why is because Mr. Leiter Jr., God bless him, he's back in the MLB for the first time since 2018, and it's not going well for him. 11.05 11.05 ERA after his last stint in the big leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays in 8 total appearances. 13.50 ERA. So, this is a guy that has never proven to be necessarily too great at the big league level. Heck, you take a look at his minor league numbers and they weren't necessarily too good. He's got an 18.90 ERA on the road. When your ERA on the road is higher than a year that was going on in the Civil War, you know that things are not going great. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton has been a little bit teeter totterish this season, giving up combined nine runs in his last 10 and the third innings across his last two starts. Those did come against the Padres and the Dodgers, but he has been hit around a little bit, and you do take a look at Charlie Morton in last season. He did wind up having some home and road splits that were more favorable when he was on the road. 361 home ERA, 306 road ERA, giving up 12 home runs in 97 and the third innings at home, just four balls on the road and this is a Cubs team that to their credit, they're able to do a solid job of being reach base. C.A. Suzuki hitting well above a 300. He's already got four home runs this season. You've seen someone like a Nick Madrigal wound up getting off to a rough start to the season. He's now getting on base. Jan Gomes has been able to hit north of a 250, along with Wilson Contreras. Patrick Wisdom strikes out a lot, but he's been able to get on base. And then you take a look at Ian App. He's hitting above a 300 long Nico Horner And for the Atlanta Braves, Ozzie, Ozzie, Ozzie. Elbies, Albies, Albies. This guy's went deep already six times this season. Matt Olsen has north of a 400 on base. Austin Riley has been able to go deep four times. He's hitting nearly a three-round. Travis Ayer, no. Marcel Ozuna, they've been able to reach base. And for Ozuna, entering into Tuesday, four home runs. With the Atlanta Braves, you've got a very nice bullpen advantage. Now, yeah, bullpen has been a little bit shaky. Kenley Jansen had a little bit of a rough first week of the season. Tyler Mazek, along with A.J. Minter. Both of these guys are relatively reliable, though. Will Smith, he gets shaky with it. But he and Darren O'Day, veteran guys, are able to rely upon him for the Cubs. This is a bullpen that you really don't want. Too much of a part of Scotty Frost, not necessarily a trustworthy guy. Along with Ethan Roberts, now you do have out there a guy, Michael Gibbons. I've always liked Sean Newcomb, Chris Martin. Both of these guys are former Atlanta Braves. But I do take a look at this spot. I think that Mr. Lighter is going to get a lighter up in this one, so I do minus my total at an 8.9. I'm willing to take a look at the over. and with the Atlanta Braves. Set them more around minus 240 on the money line on the run line at minus 135. I'm going to reduce the juice. I'm going to take a look at the run line here of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm going to be going over. 965, 966 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing against the Seattle Mariners. Juan Marco Gonzalez is going to be going for the Mariners, and you've got Drew Rasmussen, who's going to be on the bump for the Rays, and the Rays are finding themselves a minus 125 favorite. Currently only Drive Kings has a line, as I am doing in this podcast, plus 105 on the Seattle Mariners. Total this game is 7.5. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And given these current numbers, I would be taking a look at it and over. I did wind up saying my total... More at a 7.7, so 7.5 would be pretty much max I'd be willing to take a look at an over at, but I would be willing to go over and with Drew Rasmussen. Set him as a minus 140 favorite ever since he became really a full-time starter in the back half of the 2021 season starting in August that year. In the regular season, he's got a sub-2 ERA. Now, he's not necessarily going to go overly deep into games. This is someone that you can expect about five innings out of him, and they might need him to go a little bit further because with the Tampa Bay Rays, he did wind up having the bullpen game. Not necessarily go their way as Josh Fleming went up getting just completely destroyed as sort of a bulk guy for the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday, but you do take a look at Drew Rasmussen and what he's been able to do ever since becoming a starter, and it has been absolutely tremendous. The guy that he doesn't get a ton of swings and misses, but he gets a relatively solid amount of swings and misses. Right around nine strikeouts per nine innings throughout his career. Does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Fewer than one home run for nine innings now with the race. It's going to be a little bit of pick up the pieces from yesterday. Just wind up throwing out their guys that did not wind up pitching yesterday. you got to figure that. someone like an Andrew Kittrich is going to be on call in this one. And for the Seattle Mariners, Marco Gonzalez is someone that does a great job of not walking a lot of guys as well. Does have a tendency to give up the deep ball. That is the big trepidation that you do wind up having with them, even this year. He's already given up four home runs in the course of 13 and two-thirds innings. his three starts. He's only given up three walks in that time span, but certainly is someone that is going to give up the deep ball. You take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021 and his roadie area was actually a little bit better than that at home. Gave up 12 home runs in 66 and a third innings on the road though compared to 17 in 77 innings at home and this is a Mariners bullpen that is pretty rock solid. Diego Casio does leave you holding your breath a little bit, but Drew's second rider has been solid. Paul Sewell is dealing with an injury, so Anthony Mitrovic, Matt Cook, both of these guys are going to be seeing a couple more innings, and you do take a look at the Seattle Mariners, and all of a sudden, it's been an offense that has been able to come along. Adam Frazier has been able to do a solid job of reaching base after a since. He wound up having a little bit of a rough start to the season. Jesse Winker selling below the Mendoza line of 200 is rough, but Enyuinho Suarez, with sub-200 last season, he's getting on base with right around a 380 on base. He has been doing a very solid job for the team. Die France! More like Win France. He is hitting above a 350. He's got a trio of home runs. He's got 20-plus RBI this season. JB Crawford is hitting above a 3 Tom Murphy's been able to get on base. So, you got some good matches there and for the Tampa Bay Race. Wanda Franco along G Man Both hitting well above a 3 Manuel Marco has been able to do a solid job getting on base as well. Past that, you've got a lot of guys that aren't doing a great job of being able to get on. And Mike Zanino hitting sub 100 with as many home runs as myself entering into Tuesday. Not great, but Brandon Lau, even though he's hitting below a 200, he does have a trio of home runs this season. And I do think that the Rays going to be able to get back online after yesterday. You know, the start of the game wasn't necessarily what they were hoping for. Didn't wind up saying this total at a 7.7, so this is a spot in which I am going to be taking a look at and over, and when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 140 or so. Looking Rays and looking over. 967-968 is the DK Nation pick, as you've got the Baltimore Orioles on the road facing off against the New York Yankees. One Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees, and Tyler Wells is going to be on the bump. For Baltimore, your total on this game is 8. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under between minus anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And with the Yankees, find them anywhere between minus 255 and minus 270 favors. Meanwhile, with the Orioles, it is anywhere between plus 210 and plus 233. And whale play time. We're giving out the Yankees. But no, I'm kidding. I'm, I would not be giving out something like a minus 250 as a DK Nation pick. That would just be trying to... Pretty much brought up the record, trying to be like, oh, my wins and losses are so good and everything like that. It that's not what we're here to do. We're gonna give you guys a little bit more of an even juice play, and that would be on the total. And I'm gonna be taking a look at the over. You take a look at Mr. Tyler Wells, and well, it's not going well for Wells. 675 ERA. Someone who wanted coming out of the bullpen last season. This year he started three games. He has won a combined eight innings. He has posted up a 675 ERA, given up a pair of bombs, four and a half locks per nine innings. It's just not going well for him. This is pretty much a advanced form of a bullpen game here for the Baltimore Orioles. And to their credit, bullpen ERA entering into the series was right towards league average, actually a little bit above it, but got to expect some negative regression for guys like C.N.L. Perez, Felix Batista, Paul Fry, Travis Lankins, Brian Baker. These are just guys that are going to get lit up by a New York Yankees team that you've got all sorts of mashers on this team. Anthony Rizzo has been able to do a terrific job of being able to put back to ball. Five home runs with a 375 on base entering into the game that we wound up seeing on Tuesday. T.J. LeMay, was sitting above a .300 for this bunch, Isaiah Caner-Falefa, has been hitting right around .300. Been a little bit of a tough start to the year for John Carlos and Josh Donaldson. They both wind up entering into the day ain't sub two ten. 10 Torres has been in a little bit of a funk at Joey Gallo. He's just pretty much useless at the plate right now, but I do expect more power out of this team. And for the Baltimore Orioles, it took them 12 games to be able to get their first over of the season, and I do think that you're going to see more of them. This is an Orioles team that, entering into the series, had just six home runs overall in the season. I'm not saying that this team is going to lead the league in home runs or anything like that, but Cedric Mullins, along with Ryan Mountcastle, both had 25-plus home runs last year. Trey Boom Boom Mancini at 21. They do have a little bit of pop in their lineup now. The problem is, you take a look at the lineup, and entering into the game that we wound up seeing on Tuesday, nobody was hitting above a 250. Maybe Ryan Moncastle wound up having that high-water mark. Austin, this says kid was right around there as well. You're gonna need to rely upon Guys like Ramon Urias, Robinson Torinos, Ode Mateo to be able to pick it up a little bit. But I do think that the Orioles lineup is going to be a little bit better. You take a look at the way that they wind up entering into the Bronx, four plus runs in each of their last four games. So they do seem to be turning the corner a little bit there. You do take a look at what you're able to get out of Jordan Montgomery, and he's not a guy that is necessarily dominant at home. He is certainly far from terrible, wound up having a little bit of rough COVID in his first home start of the regular season this year, but actually had a better road ERA than a home ERA last season, giving up nine home runs in 69 innings out there at the Bronx. But it's only a 2.37 off of him, but Kind giving up right around 2.8 walks per nine innings. Now, uh, you take a look at the Yankees' bullpen. It yeah, has been absolutely lights so. out. Aroldis Chapman wound up having a little bit of rough COVID against the Toronto Blue Jays, but other than that, he's actually been locked down For the team, Wandy Peralta is giving you good innings. Jonathan the Wise got a rough COVID against the Baltimore Orioles, ironically enough, about two weeks ago. But Lucas Lutke, he's able to come in and give you good innings along with Miguel Castro. But that said, I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to bust out. They're going to get the bats going. The Orioles, they're going to be able to put a nice hurting on a ball or two as well. So I did mind saying the total more around a 9.2. So the DK Nation pick is going to be on the over in this spot. I did wind up setting the Yankees at a minus 248 on the money line, if you're really looking at the money line. Boy, I mean, it's one of those cases which... It's juicy. I would rather take a look at a Yankees run line, which in most places, I'm finding that right around a minus 120. I was willing to lay more like a minus 135 to a minus 140 there. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees run line in the spot and the DK Nation pick. We're avoiding that J.C. Money line. We're going to be taking a look at the over 969, 970 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be in the red face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Ross Tripling is going to be going for the Jays, and Michael Waka is going to be going for the Boston Red Sox, and... If he winds up getting lit up, you use a dying Pac-Man voice for Waka. Waka, 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 Waka. As he's going to be finding himself as an underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 115 and plus 126. And if you're looking at the Jays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 131 and minus 149 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The over is finding itself anywhere between plus 105 and even money, and when it comes to Boston Red Sox, well, I do think that you could wind up using that dying Pac-Man voice. I do mind up saying the Jays at a minus 132. The minus 131, pretty much a max that I'm going to be willing to lay with the Jays, but I am willing to lay that minus 131 that we are seeing right now, and becomes it comes to Michael Walker, just granted he's looked a little bit better this season. He has made three starts, 14 and a third innings. Buck 88 ERA has given up a pair of home runs. Walks are a little bit of an issue. Four and a half walks for Mr. Michael waka So that's not necessarily too terrific. But he's come in. He's been able down the fort. Then you take a look at Ross Dripling. First two starts of the season. Eight total innings in these two starts. give given up three runs. So once again, not lighting the world on fire. Not necessarily doing a terrible job. Both of these teams. Okay bullpens. Not great. Not terrible. Garrett Woodlock now being utilized as a little bit more of a starter for the Red Sox, but you still have Eda Kazasaro Mora, Ryan Brazier. These guys are able to do a solid job. Philip Eldes is able to give you multiple innings. And then for the Blue Jays, Ryan Baruki is able to come in. He's able to do a good job. Tim Maza, someone that I do like for the team, Trevor Richards, is able to end multiple innings. But you do take a look at these two lineups and you do have to give a little bit of advantage here to the Toronto Blue Jays. Flagaro Jr. hitting well above a 305 home runs going into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Bobochette had a little bit of a rough start to the year. Got to figure that that Grand Slam on Monday is going to be able to get him kick-started. Matt Jamin is able to an okay job of reaching base. George Springer looks like the George Springer both. You've had a little bit of a tough time with the bottom of the lineup for the Blue Jays, but you're able to say the same about the Red Sox as each out of the bottom five hitters in the lineup that you wound up seeing on Tuesday. We're hitting a 225 or lower, so that is something that is a little bit of a concern. Now, top lineup has been good. J.D. Martinez, he's got north of a 350 on base, along with Xander Bogarts, and Bogarts, hitting well above a 300, Alex Verdugo. He's hitting more around at 270. He's been able to supply a trail of home runs. You have someone that I really like in Rafael Devers, who wanted to the day off yesterday. He had 38 home runs last season, but I do take a look at this spot. One we'll delay, up to a minus 132 year with the Blue Jays, so at minus 131, it is a take for me. Keep in mind, Ron Stripling was an all-star starter a few years ago while he was with the LA Dodgers. I did wind up saying my total here at a 9.2 as well. So I'm looking at the 9 over and I'm going to be taking a look at Stripling and company at up to a minus 132, 971, 972 on the betting board. Now the Chicago White Sox and they're going to be playing us to the Kansas City Royals. Zach Greinke is going to be going for the Royals and Dylan Cease Deceases is going to be on the bump for the Southsiders. The White Sox find themselves anywhere between minus 151 and minus 165. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Kansas City, you're finding them anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145. 7.5 is your total with the over. You're finding it at a minus 105 to a minus 115. And the same does go for the under and when it comes to Kansas City, we wind up saying though at a plus 163. So, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the White Sox. Question becomes money line or run line. Currently, with the run line of the White Sox, finding that anywhere between plus 125. Seeing as high as a plus 135, I'm thinking I would rather go a little bit more on the money line because you have seen both of these lineups be relatively cold going into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday. And On Tuesday, you wound up having a ghastly bad pitching matchup of Mr. Daniel Lynch going up against Dallas Keiko. A pair of guys that you just one absolutely no part of whatsoever, but you do take a look at this White Sox team, and Tim Anderson has been able to do a very solid job of BO reach base. He's hitting above a 300, Daniel Mendick along with Andrew Vaughn. Both of these guys are hitting above a 275, and for Vaughn, a trail of home runs, really, those were the only guys that going into the game on Tuesday were hitting above a 250. Getting back, A.J. Pollock should be able to help out this White Sox team. Jose Abreu is someone that always winds up giving you some good RBI 100 when it's all said and done, but he's been off to a little bit of a cold start, in for the Kansas City Royals, this is a team that they really rely upon, guys getting on base and Edoberto Mondesi, Bobby Witt Jr., Witt They're all laying below the Mendoza line of 200. Carlos Santana is just absolutely useless. This guy was one of the worst hitters towards the back half last season. He's hitting right around a 100 this year, so... Boy, oh boy, this is someone that he really does need to get things online a little bit more, but you do take a look at Nicky Lopez. He's been able to do a solid job of a reach base, and to the credit of Andrew Benatendi, he's hitting above a 350. He's been able to do a good job, Salvador Perez. He's been able to give you four-plus home runs. We all know what he was able to do last season, but you also do take a look at Zach Cranky, and this is just someone that he is not giving you any swings and misses at his advanced age. Now, he does a good job of being able to locate. He does a nice job of not necessarily giving up a lot of walks, but Man, it's hard to have a lot of faith in a guy that has made three starts and has two strikeouts thus far this season. He's literally made more starts than he's got strikeouts, so... That I've got to figure is going to see an increase with his 225 ERA for Dylan Cease. He does have a little bit of an issue with the walks, seven walks at 16 innings, but you do take a look at what he was able to do at home during the 2021 season and he was lights out in the city of Chicago. 469 Road ERA, 318 OMI ERA. Did wind up giving up 12 home runs at 85 innings, but wound up being able to get a strikeouts per nine rate that was hovering above 12 at home. Opponents were a 205 off of him. Once again, walks were a little bit of an issue, and you do take a look at both of these bullpens. They can be a little bit up and down. Josh Zamount. Very solid for the Kansas City Royals, but you do have Jake Brent, Scott Barlow to be able to go along with him. Heck, even Dylan Coleman is someone I do like it for the White Sox. Liam Hendricks has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, but you still have Aaron Bummer, Jose Ruiz. These guys are able to do a relatively solid job. They wind up bringing in Kendall Graveman in the offseason as well. So, I do think that the White Sox is going to be able to do a good job of be able to hold down the fort with how much contact Zach Gregg winds up giving up. I do think that it's going to be a good spot for the White Sox to be able to bust out. So, I'm willing to lay up to a 1-1 63-year with the Chicago White Sox. Would rather go money line than run line with the way that both of these offenses are performing, though I do think that both are going to bust out a little bit, so my total at 8.1, so looking over and looking, White Sox, 973-974 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins are going to be playing against the Detroit Tigers. Michael Pinata hopes it not be Michael Pinata for the Tigres. And then you've got Joe Ryan, who's going to be on the bump for the Twins. Twins are finding themselves as favorites here anywhere between minus 166 and minus 180. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Tigers, it's anywhere between plus 150 and plus 157. 7 is your total over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. And you're going to be finding that under anywhere between even money and minus 110. And when it comes to the Detroit Tigers, set them as a plus 148. I do like what Joe Ryan has been able to do. I think that this is a little bit too demonstrative. And once again, it's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Minnesota but we're seeing the overreaction on unders. I wound up saying my total at a 7.7, so I'm going to be looking over here. Mentioned with Rena just how big of a deal it is that you've got Byron Buxton back out there on the field for Minnesota, and he's got six home runs already, despite the fact that he wound up missing six games. The guy has been absolutely incredible, and I wound up mentioning it as well. You wound up having two guys in the starting lineup for the Minnesota Twins yesterday that wound up finding their average going into the night that was hovering above a 250. so Clearly, it's been he and not really a whole lot else to the credit of Max Kepler, has been able to pick it up a little bit, wind up having a multi-hit night yesterday. Gio Urshela has been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball, and they did wind up getting a solid start out of Chris Paddock. Meanwhile, you do take a look at the Detroit Tigers and the bullpen that was very solid last season hasn't necessarily been so great this season. They have been dealing with a couple of injuries. Gregory Soto, Will Vest. They're certainly going to be called upon for big innings. Drew Hutchinson is someone that is able to give you multiple innings, but you do take a look at this Tigers team and they're having a hold down the fort currently with dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Kyle Funkhauser. He has been out for quite a while Casey case buys Matt Manning. When it comes to their starters, they've been on the injured list as well and for the Minnesota Twins, just all the injuries with guys like Yohan Romero, Alontori Ocala being on the injured list has gutted them a little bit. Caleb Theobar, not necessarily so great, so they are going to need a good start out of Joe Ryan, in which Ryan he has given up a pair of home runs this season, but has been able to do a terrific job. With a buck 69 ERA, you go back to the back half of last season. Now, it was a small sample size that you wound up seeing out of him last year, but in his couple of starts, really came in there and was able to be very dominant. He's got very good swing and miss stuff. His ERA last season was right around a 405 because he did wind up giving up a pair of bombs, but, I mean, 30 strikeouts to 26 to two-thirds innings when you're a rookie, that is nothing short of terrific. And for the Tigers, you now do have heavy bias back in the fold that should be able to help out their offense Austin Meadows, Miguel Cabrera, both of these guys hitting above a 3 iron, but Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, along with what you've been able to get out of Herrick Haas. These guys hitting a 200 or lower has been a little bit of an issue. You've got a Tigers team that they're doing a solid job of able to reach base, but you do need a little bit more power out of guys like an Austin Meadows, Spencer Turkelson has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base, but hasn't necessarily been able to hit those home runs as well. So, that is a little bit of an issue when it comes to this spot. Like I said, I did wind up saying my total at a 7.7. I do think that Michael Pineda is going to be able to do a solid job going up against his former team, but you did notice last season, he did wind up giving up a little bit more than a home run and a half Per nine innings wound up being a guy that wound up having a little bit of a lesser spring training due to injury as well. So I do think that that's going to be affecting him a little bit. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And though I do think that Joe Ryan winds about drilling Michael Pineda, I think we've gone a little bit too far, especially with Bias back in the fold here for the Detroit Tigers. I'm going to take the plus price here with Detroit. Set them at a plus 148. And we're looking over. 975, 976 on the banging board. The Texas Rangers are going to be playing also the Houston Astros. Christian Javier is going to be going for the stroke And Glenn Otto is going to be on the bump. For Texas, Texas is back to being an underdog. Find them anywhere between even money and plus 113. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Houston, getting them anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130 with 8 and being your total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And when it comes to the Astros, I am willing to lay up to a minus 133 with them. You do take a look at Christian Javier. It's been coming out of the bullpen for much of this season. And last year, he wanted be beginning the season as a starter. Actually, in 2020 was a starter. And then he wanted. Shifting him to the bullpen in 2021... Why they wound up doing this, I have no idea. He should be getting starts instead of Jake Odorizzi. I've been saying this for a long time, and now he is back to his native spot as a starter. But the good news is, in most of his long-relief appearances, he was going right around three innings. I don't think that Javier stretched out to be able to go like six-plus or anything like that. I think that he can give you four, maybe five innings in this spot. And while he was a starter during the 2020 and into the very early 2021 season as well, this is the guy that wound up having a right around 3-5-ish year Someone that did wind up giving up quite a few walks per nine innings, especially last season. He did wind up doing walks per nine innings, being right around four and a half, but still good at swing and miss stuff. Someone that for his career north of 10 punch outs per nine innings, and then you take a look at Glenn Otto, and he did wind up having a very good start for the team against the Oakland A's a few nights ago, but someone that last season in a limited amount of starts. So, small sample size, wound up posting up an ERA north of nine. Now, he's better than that. He proved at the minor league level that he is able to get quite a few punch outs, but he is also backed up by a bullpen that entering into the series, was he worst out there in the American League? Joe Barlow's not been what he was last season. He's been able to get some solid innings out of someone like a Spencer Patton, but Patton is now on the injured list for this team as well. So that means more Garrett Richards and Albert Abadeu, which is not necessarily too terrific. And for the Houston Astros, Ryan Presley he's currently finding himself on the injured list as well. So that means run out of Blanco, Abadeu. These guys are seeing some innings. Hector like Neris is someone that you don't necessarily want to trust in. And for the Astros, has been a little bit tough with the lineup. Jose Altuve currently on the ten-day injured list. So that does wind up affecting them a little bit. And it's an answer team that, despite the fact that they haven't struck out a lot this season, they've just been getting really unlucky with the bats. And you take a look at it Nico Goodrum, Jose Siri, Jordan Alvarez, whenever Altuve's been out there, Kyle Tucker, all these guys are hitting a 225 or lower. Got to feel like they're going to be able to pick it up. Alex Bregman has been able to give this team a trail of home runs. He's sitting more in the pocket of about a 270. So he's been able to get on. Chaz McCormick is hitting. More around a 265 average himself. And for the Texas Rangers, it's been a little bit rough for some of their bigger pieces as well. Cole Calhoun, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Semien, all these guys have been hitting at 220 or lower, along with Willie Calhoun who's been legitimately one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball since the beginning of the 2021 season. But I do take a look at the Houston Astros and I do like what I'm getting out of Christian Javier. Flannado, very good start his last time out, but I need to see a little bit more of a sample size and I do have a pair of guys that they haven't had a lot of starting experience in their careers, and got a pair of bullpen stars. Just honestly, you're terrific. So, I do why I'm saying. My total at an 8.8, looking over, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus-133 here with the Astros. 977, 978 on the banking board. Got the Guardians of Cleveland hitting the road face-off against the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Angels, and Zach Plesak is going to be on the bum for Cleveland. Total on this game is 7.5 over and under or between minus 105 and minus 115 with LA. You're going to be finding them in between minus 185 and minus 199. Meanwhile, with Cleveland, it's anywhere between plus 160 and plus 180. They just wanted to making me an offer I can't refuse here. I do feel like the Angels should be a relatively sizable favorite. I was willing to take the Guardians at North of 168 and I really thought that I was giving the Guardians a bad price and that I was going to be on the Angels. I, now that we're seeing plus plus 180 here on the Cleveland Guardians. We just went too far. Zach Plisak is a solid pitcher buck 53 ERA this season. He is someone that very much does pitch a contact, only 10 strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings this season, but does a solid job of being able to induce soft contact for his career, right around two walks per nine innings, so command is there. You do take a look at Shohei and no question. Last season, he pitched significantly better at home than he did on the road. On the road last season, his ERA was approaching five. Meanwhile, at home, it was a buck 95, giving up nine home runs in 78 and a third innings with bonus hitting right around a buck 93 off of him, but he's also backed up by an Angels bullpen that is one of the worst out there in the big leagues they do pick up ryan tapera and aaron loop which winds up helping and Rasio glacius is rock solid but you also have to trust in Oliver ortega mike myers archie bradley austin warren andrew wants you want other guys out there. Meanwhile, with the Cleveland Guardians, Emmanuel Classe, one of the best closers that you're able to find out there in the big leagues. Brian Shaw, Nick Sandler. these guys are able to give you some solid innings as well. And for the Cleveland Guardians, I do expect a little bit of regression with the bats, but these guys have been able to do a very magnificent job of being reach base. Jose Ramirez going into what we wanted up seeing on Tuesday. Four home runs, 350 batting average. Owen Miller still hitting well above a four run Steven Kwan. He's been a little bit banged up, but he's been able to get on base. Oscar Mercado, a trail of home runs. Andre Jimenez hitting a 313. Miles Straw has some of the best wheels out there in the big leagues and for the Angels. Tyler Ward, he wound up having a pair of home runs against Shane Bieber. He's been solid as he... Otani, Mike Trout, all these guys three plus home runs this season, and then you've also had Jared Walsh have a little bit of resurgence after he was an all-star last season, and then in the second half of the season, he dipped, he's got a pair of bombs, he's sitting right around 250, Brian Marsh, Matt Duffy, they've been able to get on base, but I do expect a little bit of regression there, and I do take a look at Plesak, should he be a favorite against Joey Otani? Heck no, but I think that we're really poo-pooing how decent of a pitcher Zach Plesak is, he's not going to light the game on fire, I think that he comes in, is going to be able to hold down the front, end. you've got a pair of very good offenses that I think are going to be able to do a solid job being able to hit a couple balls out even though in the nighttime in Los Angeles, ball doesn't necessarily carry the same way it does during the day. Did my saying my total at an 8.3 despite that because both of these teams do a good job of being able to make solid contact looking at the over and I'm going to be looking at the Guardians with this plus price and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the Oakland A's. It is assumed that we're going to get Jacob Junis for the San Francisco Giants but we've got no numbers up on this game because it has yet to be confirmed If it is indeed Blackburn versus Junis, I do wind up saying the Giants at a minus 175 plus 175 on the A's and made my total an 8.4. So an 8 or lower, I'd be looking over 8.5 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under. You take a look at Jacob Junis and you did wind up getting a bulk appearance. For the San Francisco Giants, it wasn't a start, but he wanted coming in. He wanted pitching five innings for the team, and he looked very solid in that bulk appearance. You take a look at Mister Jacob Junis; he wound up giving up no runs in those five innings. It was a seven to one win for the team. Now it was also against the Washington Nationals, but. Someone that winds up coming over from the Kansas City Royals. A young guy that I've always felt like has had a little bit of upside. When he was away from Kansas City last year, he had a 2.81 ERA. It was a small sample size. He wound up only pitching 16 innings, giving up one home run in the process. But this is someone that whenever he's pitched on the road, so away from Kansas City, this has been someone that has been relatively rock solid. You go back to his really last full sample size in 2019. His ERA on the road was about 1.4 points lower than it was at home, which I find to be very intriguing because typically Kansas City a little bit more pitcher-friendly, but you do take a look at what you're able to get out of Mr. Blackburn as well. This is someone that has actually been able to post up some very good numbers thus far. 3 starts, 15 innings, is yet to give up home run. 1 walk, you know that the command is going to be there. Buck 80 ERA is just not going to be lasting. His fielding independent is significantly higher because this is very much a pitcher contact guy. To his credit, 14 home runs thus far this season, but you take a look at the career, right around six and half strikeouts per nine innings. He is backed up by a bullpen that is not necessarily terrible. They've got Kirby Snead back to the fold. They have been able to a little bit of an injury to Lou Trevino, but AJ Puck is able to give you multiple innings and ball. He's able to do a solid job. I even like what you've been able to get out of someone like a Danny Jimenez, but it is not necessarily what the San Francisco Giants says. as the Giants. They had the lone bullpen that wound up having a sub-3 ERA in the big leagues last season. Jarlene Garcia, Camelio Duval. These guys had it all working. Tyler Rogers is able to do a solid job. Jake McGee the list goes on and on, and for the San Francisco Giants, you do take a look at this lineup, and you do have yourself quite a few mashers. jock Peterson entering into Tuesday. This guy had been on a tear, hitting a 362 with six home runs. You've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the batting average. Jaron Ruff, along with Joey Bart, hitting both the Mendoza line of two hundred. and stuff. They've been dealing with Mike Ustrumski being on the COVID-19 list, but they replaced him with Luis Gonzalez, who wound up being the big home run against the Milwaukee Brewers a couple days ago, entered into... Tuesday with a small sample size, but hitting above a 3 with that home run. Brandon Crawford has been able to pick it up along with Wilmer Flores as the season has went along and for the Oakland A's. It is a little bit of a banged-up team. They've been dealing with an injury to someone like a Chad Pinder. They've had Jed Lowry on the fold as well, so that has certainly hurt them. You take a look at their bottom five guys in the lineup that we wound up seeing on Tuesday. They are all hitting a 2.08 or lower. Now, Elvis Sanders has been a little bit unlucky, and you do have Sean Murphy hitting a 2.42 three home runs this season, but it has been a team that has had a little bit of a rough time being able to put runs up on the board against a little bit of better competition, so I did wind up making this a minus 175 line on the Giants. With regards to the run line, I would need a little bit north of a plus 110 to be able to take that run line of the Giants, lay a run and a half, but also did wind up saying my total at an 8.4 and 8 or lower to, get to be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher to the under, and that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family a Podcast. A big thanks to Rena Wong, does a good job over there at Twins Daily. She joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from the Sign podcast, The Baseball Betting Show. You're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters the M. Amy does not matter. Size per usual. Please just send these into the timeline and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like here on this podcast. I five, the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season and that means I'm coming at you what's good tomorrow. Thank you so much for doing it.
2: if you dare.